This is the CQ on Congress Coronavirus Special Report. We are bringing you daily updates on the policy news you need to know using the reporting prowess of CQ Roll Call. I'm Sean Zeller. Today is Monday, May 18th. The world is hungry. Hungry for a road forward from the pandemic. Hungry for a cure. And hungry for food. That is what our podcast will focus on today, both here and overseas. According to the most recent U.S. Department of Agriculture report on food insecurity, 37.2 million people, including 11.2 million children, lived in food-insecure households across this nation. An NGO says the number of hungry kids could soon rise to 18 million here. So what is America doing when it comes to feeding those who are most in need? With us now is Delegate Stacy Plaskett, who represents the U.S. Virgin Islands and sits on the House Agriculture Committee, which is in charge of food assistance for the poor. Welcome to the show, Congresswoman Plaskett. Thanks for having me. So the House passed a bill on Friday that would increase food stamp benefits, SNAP benefits. Can you tell us what's in the bill and why the House did that? Well, I think what was important in this bill was that the House Democrats, first of all, wanted to set down a marker. In the last CARES Act that was passed uh, by Congress, uh, the original bill originated in the Senate um, and involved a lot of negotiation, but was not a a bill that really addressed so many of the issues that we believe American people were most interested in. There was a lot of blowback, I think, that came from America on the amount of money that went to large businesses rather than small. And so this bill is an attempt to really address those working class Americans and those who are in desperate need right now. And one of those areas is, of course, SNAP, is, of course, food and food supplies going to the most neediest of Americans. And we believe that while the number is large, that this amount of funding is really fundamental to ensure that Americans continue to be able to eat during the pandemic. So it seems unlikely that the bill as passed by the House is going to pass the Senate. Mm -hmm. Is there something that you and the House can do to help these needy Americans? I think that we have done quite a bit. And now it's necessary, uh, you know, the farm bill, which people think is specifically for farmers, also has a very large nutrition component in it. And when we passed the farm bill um, in the last Congress uh, almost two years ago, one of the main areas we attempted to address was the USDA's need for uh, standing up a food distribution component that could address issues like we have today. Uh, And so while the bill in in its form right now, the HEROES Act may not be what is eventually passed by the Senate and sent to the president, we believe that it is one, a strong statement. And in the interim period, we are working to ensure that the Department of Agriculture, Secretary Purdue lives up to USDA's promises to the American people that were in the farm bill. So as you saw, we're working on food boxes, on rerouting and supporting food 
distribution so that the farmers who are uh, growing our food get those food to the neediest Americans right now, that being primarily food banks. We know that there were problems in the initial part of the pandemic with regard to that. Um, despite having received the funding in the Farm Bill um, to have the funding to stand up a food distribution um, plan in the most neediest times, like we are now. And so we know that uh, the Department of Agriculture, through the work of Chairman Colin Peterson and other members really pressing them, are doing that now. Now we know that there are some questions on how the contracts have been awarded, and we are making inquiries right now on um, making sure that those who have the contracts are doing what is required of them, and if not for them to be removed and the right people in place. You mentioned the food distribution issue. We've seen the lines of Americans waiting for food bank distributions. And at the same time, we hear about rotting food and food that's not able to get to market. You mentioned a problem with the distribution early in the pandemic. Is there reason to believe that that's going to get better? Well, uh, you know, the Department of the Agriculture Department has awarded multi-million dollar contracts to companies um, to be able to do that. Uh, late last week, USDA outlined for us some 1.2 billion in federal contracts for a program to be able to change that food distribution program, um, to do more to respond to the supply chain issues that you're talking about and the disruption. You know, uh, farmers are, are growing food and they were growing food with, the, with not the pandemic in mind, with the notion that they were going to be giving these foods to hotels, to restaurants, and to the normal uh, distribution places that they have been. And because there is not those, um, those end users to get the food to, um, it became overly costly for them as farmers to do to get it to these food banks or for the normal distribution channels to do it. And so that's where the federal government needs to step in. That's our belief on my side of the aisle, that it's the federal government's job to do that. Uh, and so we're really pushing USDA, who now has the money to do this, um, you know, upwards of a billion dollars to get food to Americans who need it, rather than it's not going overseas like it had in the past. And, you know, I'm hopeful that they're going to get it done as quickly as possible. Everyone forgets that USDA, the Department of Agriculture, is the largest uh, agency in the federal government responsible for, um, you know, doing tremendous work overseas in terms of food supplies and food distributions. And we're asking them to do it here on the home front, um, here in America. And I know on my committee on biotech and research and horticulture, we're making sure that our farmers can continue growing and that the food that they're growing can get to the people who need it most. Now, in normal times, schools are a major source for food distribution. Low-income children can get up to two meals a day at school. But with schools closed, we know that districts, school districts are trying to innovate in the way that they distribute food. They're trying to enable families to get food without having to come to a congregate feeding site. We have summer around the corner here. Are people thinking about how to continue food distribution during those summer months? Well, you know, I think that there are some jurisdictions where um, school lunch programs go on even in the summer, because we know the children who need food during the school year don't stop going hungry when the summer months 
come. And so we're hoping to expand that problem. You know, the new USDA program called the Farmers Families Food Box Program is slated to spend about 300 million each month on US food products and those getting to food banks, to nonprofits and to others. And we're talking with stakeholders in this to make sure that there's a connection between um, the nonprofits, the food banks and the school districts to ensure that children are continuing to be fed during the summer months. Um, many schools, uh, districts are, um, some are of course cutting the school year short and some are expanding the school year because of lost time that they believe the young um, children have had. And so we want not just the students, but the families to be able um, to have food during this time period. You know, this has been an ongoing fight in the agriculture committee um, about feeding people most needy. I can't imagine why we argue about it, but we do, whether it's our responsibility or not. Um, you know, the fact that we are such a wealthy nation that we have farmers who have, are, have the ability to export so many goods uh, around the world, and yet there are millions of Americans that go hungry. It's just inexcusable, uh, my belief. And you know, remember that the school lunch program was started uh, after World War II, when we saw that our soldiers were not strong enough, that they didn't have bone density, because so many of them lacked nutrition um, when they were growing. And that was what started the original school lunch programs. And we want Americans to not only to be physically strong, but mentally strong. We know that that's tied to nutrition. Uh, if we're gonna continue to be the nation of innovation, the nation that leads, we've got to feed each other. Um, that's a basic necessity. And so I'm doing everything I can and so many of my colleagues are doing and pressing the Department of Agriculture to make sure that that happens. Delegate, we appreciate you joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having me and take care and you be safe. You too. And now to CQ Roll Call's Rachel Oswald, who has a report on the risk of famine in the developing world. Recently, I've been reporting on the risks of global hunger dramatically increasing due to the coronavirus. The UN World Food Program says that as many as 265 million people could be acutely hungry by the end of the year due to the pandemic. That's almost double the current rate. To try and curtail what could be the most severe humanitarian crises in a century, food aid experts say the U.S. government has to act now. They want the U.S. to use its global leadership position to convince other countries not to impose trade barriers on the sale abroad of vital crops like wheat and rice. At the same time, experts would like to see more flexibility in U.S. food assistance programs managed by the U.S. Agency for International Development so it can prevent food crises from becoming full-blown famines. Foreign aid groups want Congress to provide $12 billion for international assistance in its next coronavirus spending package. Congress has dedicated only 0.1% or nearly $2.4 billion to international assistance across the four coronavirus spending measures passed so far this year. Within that amount, the Trump administration has dedicated $8 million within USAID's Bureau for Resilience and Food Security toward alleviating coronavirus-related impacts to the global food and agriculture system. The funding is supposed to be used to develop localized plans for helping individual countries prepare their agriculture sectors to handle the economic shocks created by the pandemic. It's understandable to view images of American farmers plowing under their unharvested lettuce in California 
are dumping milk in Ohio and wonder if a better solution wouldn't be for the U.S. government to buy that unused produce and ship it overseas to hungry people in Africa or the Middle East. But the reality is that most of the U.S. agriculture products going to waste now are also ill-suited to be donated overseas. That's because much of the wasted produce, meat, and dairy products can't be easily stored and would likely spoil on the weeks-long journey to their final destination somewhere in sub-Saharan Africa. Additionally, experts note that if not carefully managed, the donation of subsidized U.S. food commodities can harm local agriculture sectors and actually place them further away from their goal of being independent and sustainable. That's all from the CQ on Congress coronavirus special report. From all of us at CQ Roll Call, I'm Sean Zeller. We'll be back tomorrow. Thank you for listening.